now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmarlroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. Good morning. Good morning, morning. Blake and Aaron. How are you? Good. How are you? We are good. How was the weekend? It was good. It was good. Yeah, we got about one minute left in our song. Awesome. uh, Give me time to send out my notifications to my people. Okay, cool. Did you do anything crazy over the weekend? Uh, No, just a kid's birthday party. (laughs) Same. Same. So crazy. Nothing crazy. There's a lot of those when you have kids, little kids. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, every like, week, it's like you know, if you're not invited, you're like, hey, why, why wasn't, uh, why weren't we invited to the to the to the Smiths' birthday party? Uh, and then, and then when you get invited, you're like, ah, crap, another birthday party. I can say that I cannot wait for the kids to go to these birthday parties on their own. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, exactly. I'll drop you off. I'll pick you up in three hours. Bye. Goodbye. 
Did you, so you did you throw one or you went to one? We went to one, but we're throwing one next week. So it's our turn say, next. It's ah. gotta be, yeah. yeah. Okay. Ooh. All right, yeah, Stemmer, so, here we go. Yeah, she's an August baby. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, me too. August 16th. Don't forget my birthday. Oh, I'm the 18th. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. So let's we should and do she's a collaboration. The 9th of August. So lots of birthdays in August. All right, it's 106.1 KISS FM, Blake and Aaron, and our show is brought to you by Subway Eat Fresh. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Aaron's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. All right, anything crazy happen over the weekend, Sandy? Good morning, guys. How are you? Good morning. Are good. Wonderful. Yes, it was um, actually quite an eventful weekend, I must say. Okay. I saw um, I watched some of your stream had, at the Pride Parade. Yes, we had the first cool. um, ever Pride Parade. Um, BJ Chuck was there. Yep. So that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a little bit of controversy swirling around that situation. So, you know, CMR has always got the real tea. <laughs> we don't mm-hmm. give you any fake tea. So we're going to talk about some of that. What's uh, around the parade itself? Well, around the entire thing. Yes. Yeah. So like what? Kind of what kind of controversy? Um, basically some very important people were uninvited to the event without them even knowing it. Were they invited before or they showed up and they were like, um, no. Well, I mean, it was, it was open to everyone. That's the whole point of, of yeah. the pride parade that's is inclusion, what I thought right? That's what it was. Yeah. Was yeah. This, and they, they were excluded. Couple? Sorry. What couple? What couple? Yes, Vicky yeah. and uh, yeah. Chantal. Wait, they weren't yeah. in, they weren't allowed to go. Something like that. I heard something about that. What? Why is yes. that? Do you know why? We're we're gonna get into all the details in the show. We do know why. Okay. And uh, there's a lot of controversy around it. We've got multiple. Um, what I heard was I I heard that they were afraid that they would um they would do like a public display of affection or something. No, that's not what happened at all. But okay. we're, we're gonna we're gonna break it down. You like, know how like, K-Man like is. Kiss. So, yeah. um, like yeah. heterosexuals do everywhere, all over well, in front of my face. Apparently, you weren't supposed to do that. It was part of the the rules if you were part of the, oh, I saw the parade. That. Yeah. 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 But that that know. isn't that isn't the reason. That actually isn't the reason. So that's okay. I know that's not the reason. Straight. Okay. So, um, in addition to that, we have over the weekend, um, a grave site being moved which was a little bit of an unusual situation, but it started a few weeks ago. I think you guys might have seen yeah, were you by, it. I saw your, your live stream. I was watching mm-hmm. a little bit of that. Were you by Aura? Is that over by the Grand Harbor Roundabout? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so okay. what's going yes. on? Why, there was a cemetery right there? There is um, okay. a private cemetery right there. Know and you know, for the past probably 20 years, I've passed that every day. I've never actually seen that cemetery. It's so weird. Me either. I've yeah, never seen it. Same. Yeah. But it's it's right there, and um, so they're moving three of the graves in the cemetery, kind of further back, mm-hmm. so that they can make room for widening of the road because they're not going to make it six lanes. Okay. Um, so six this was done back in 2019. Feeding. Hold on, six lanes still feeding into one roundabout. Mm-hmm. That's not going to do it. Yeah. I know. I know. Don't even don't even go there, Aaron. You're speaking too so, much sense right now. I know. I mean, I don't do even have an engineering degree. But yeah, do not make sense. It's a Monday morning. What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Are, I'll just shut my mouth. <laughs> are people are people upset about that? Yes, people are very upset. Um, 
you know, obviously the NRA is saying that this is for the the wider good of the community and there's no other solution to widen the road. But yeah, people don't like when you kind of move the dead. Like it's, it's seen as a potentially disrespectful thing, but I must say that they treated it, I think in the most respectful way that it could be handled. So I was actually there yesterday and I got to see quite a bit. It was very interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is it's going to happen a lot more around the world with population so i mean it's kind of i don't even i, I want to be cremated and just like thrown somewhere so i I'm i don't even way. want to be in the ground i'm like but yeah, yeah it's gonna happen to have, have to happen eventually this way because because of expansion of especially yeah. a tiny island there's gonna so yeah i want to be cremated as well yeah I, I i watched you when you were sandy you were <clears throat> you were talking about i wonder if embalming techniques are way better today than they were back in the day you and, have I was, a peak? and i was <laughs> you didn't show any of that right on Facebook, I, I didn't watch the whole thing. Uh, yeah, that was live. Yeah, so that was that was all live. But um, you know, like, like I, I said, they, be, they gave us. I don't want to be embalmed or preserved. Yeah, I want to be. Yeah, cremated. they gave us. A, I mean, you know, the funeral director. Um, I always think that that's such an interesting job. Do you guys remember that show back in the '90s called Six Feet Under? Yeah, yeah of course. Oh my I god, that was like the best that. show ever. I was yeah. so yeah. into it. But I mean, I remember um, going to funeral. Like, I have uh, uh, unfortunately. My mom's young, so a lot of my aunts and uncles are like, you know, older older family relatives mm-hmm. have passed away. So I've been to a lot of funerals. Me and too. I remember going to the funeral home and it's just Same. that smell of like embalmed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I, yeah. I, I think the last time I did in the open casket was my grandma. And I was like, nope, she looks real. I can't. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, so Sir. basically, uh, what he said was really not a whole lot has changed. Um, you know. It's pretty much the same process, maybe a few tweaks here and there, but it's kind of interesting. Yeah. You got to have like the cosmetology, you know, like to get the makeup right. Yeah. Yeah, it is is kind of interesting. But um, yeah, I think the bottom line is, you know, they didn't have much to work with yesterday. Not much preserves itself after you're being in there for like 30, 40 years. Yeah. Mm. They were were in uh, caskets though, right? But there were no caskets left even. I mean. Huh? Really? Yeah. Everything yeah. will break down eventually. Yeah. Wow. Metal and wood. One was metal and two were wood. And literally, um, because I was able to witness one of them, there's like a fragment of wood left. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah, all the creep that's that's what and the then, world does. But you know what? You know what is so interesting? And then, and then it was a skeleton then? You or? guys are not gonna believe what survived. Um, there wasn't much of a skeleton either. There's like um, I think I saw the femur, which is the big bone. Yeah, and right um, there's like maybe one or two of those, but there wasn't much of the person either. But listen mm. to what survived. You'll never guess what actually survived. Teeth. Hair. The plastic from the lining of the casket. Oh, of course. Mm. I mean, what an environmental nightmare. Like the guy was like, this is why we don't want plastic in the dump because it literally takes forever yeah. for that down. stuff to disintegrate. Yeah. And I mean, it was and pretty, I'm like, what is that? Because it came out in a hole. I'm like, what is that? He's like, that's the plastic from the casket lining. And that was like almost in perfect condition. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. That's, that's super crazy. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Of course. Mm. Uh, yeah. A little trivia oh, yeah, for you. Interesting day. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like so. a lot of fun. I would have taken like a really long shower. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. I mean. I wonder if you uh, brought anybody home, home with you. Like, we could ask Mary on Friday. <laughs> Maybe, okay. maybe not on the show. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm pretty sure I didn't there. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Now, you know, you kind of have to, when, when you're in the news business, you do learn to be less emotive about a lot of stuff. 
um, you kind of compartmentalize things and see them from a very sanitized perspective. I must say it takes a certain skill set sometimes to, um, you know, do different types of news and look at things in a very different way. But yeah, I mean, there's always that human element to it that you're very much aware of as well. And mm -hmm. one of the great things that they did is they actually allowed family members who wanted to, to come and, you know, be part of the reburial process. So I thought that was really quite good. Yeah, that's great. All right, yeah. catch Sandy now with CMR kicking off on this Monday morning, and we'll have catch you tomorrow. One. All right, awesome, yeah. guys. Have a good one. Bye. See you, you later. All, All right, bye. Oh, my gosh, I hope this happens. So, folks, I've got a full day of uh, show for you. Give me one second. I do want to check my um, – I want to check my COVID news. Um, but, shall we got so much going on that the COVID news is going to have to wait <laughs> this morning. Um, I do, give me one second. I'm not quite, 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 quite ready yet. So give me one second. I'm actually going to put on just a little bit of lip gloss or something here. Uh, so enjoy our musical selection. I need to find another song. Like I love this song, but it's getting a little bit old. Um, cause we use it all the time whenever we need a little break. Right. So give me one quick second and I'll be right back. good folks i'm back i'm back i'm back wagwan happy monday wow a lot happened over the weekend 
as you can see, I'm kind of getting a little bit of a late start here. This morning, I had to get my water, oatmeal. I made some oatmeal this morning. Um, and uh, I um, got to tell you that uh, it was... Uh, I actually made it for my daughter. I wasn't going to eat oatmeal this morning, but you know what? She didn't want it. So I was like, well, we can't afford to waste food around here when you see that grocery bill. So, uh-oh, uh-oh, there we go. The, uh, I'm like, I see you, camera. <laughs> didn't want to focus just now. All right, so we do have uh, quite a bit going on. First of all, I want to share with you guys a little bit um, about the Pride Parade. And um, of course, big shout out to um, big shout out to the people who participated without the drama. But boy, I tell you what. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Sometimes drama just follows people. So we're gonna talk about all of that. You're gonna get the backstory, and you know. There was a point when I wasn't even going to discuss it because I kind of feel like sometimes you give life to certain situations. And then um, on the one hand, I'm like, why do that? But on the other hand, as you can see this morning, people are going to hear it anyway. And when they hear it, if they don't get the right story, then it's all kind of confusion and all kind of gossip and people are talking about it um, in the most ridiculous ways. So we at least want to set the facts straight. Like I'm not really interested in so much of entertaining the drama, if that makes any sense. But I do think in this instance that it's really important to set the facts straight so that everybody's on the same page about what is going on. And it's, it's overshadowing the success of the weekend event, which I think is quite un unfortunate, but it goes to show you that um, sometimes, you know, it is what it is from that perspective. Um, so I definitely want to, you know, discuss all elements of it. So first of all, big shout out to everyone who participated, everyone who went. Good morning to Steve, who's joining us this morning. Good morning, Irvlin. Olivia's here. Alexis, so good morning, my people. Carson is here for it. Uh, Louis is here joining us from New York. We have Atlas, who's here for it. Um, talking about the comments in the parade, which is vulgar, weren't they? I'm going to talk about some of that as well, because you guys know that on this program, um, I don't really care how you guys feel about this, and I'm going to say it. I've had acquaintances. They're not friends say stuff like, how dare you support the LGBTQ community um, as though they're going to be hurting my feelings in any way. Chat, please. You know that doesn't know how to work, right? Um, and to be quite frank, these are Bible-thumping friends of mine who need to look at their own lives. I mean, they're wearing skirts down to the ankles, but they're still not the very nice, they're not the nicest people in the world by any stretch of the imagination. And um, they need to think about how Christ-like that disposition is, really. And the dysfunctionality of it all, you know, whilst they're worrying about what consenting adults are doing, they need to look at the hot mess of what is their family, the violence, the woman beating, the fornicating, all the other sins that they just quickly dis discard. 
I'm just saying. Um, so I remain a supporter of, of the cause and of the community. And of course, a lot of ignorant people, as Atlas said, had a lot of comments to make, which were just, some were vulgar and some were just stupid. And yes, I'm going to call y'all stupid. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Marshall is here. Leroy, love you, Infinity. Jasara is here. Wee Wee, good morning. Carol says, I don't understand how holding hands was banned. Oh, girl, we're going to talk about it. We are going to talk about it. First of all, let's start with a bit of positivity. Big shout out to Judy and um, Eden Hurlston, who were there with many people. They are a married couple. They're not, you know, I don't know their personal business, but I'm sure neither one of them is LGBTQ plus or anything of the sort. There are lots of people who were there supporting. And this is the point that I think is really, really important. You don't have to be an LGBTQ plus. You just understand the necessity to support people who are. Um, we all have people in our lives who are, some of y'all don't want to admit it, but you know, that community it's, it's like at least one in every 10 persons falls into that. Um, the last statistic I heard, right. And we have a lot of Caymanians. I saw comments trying to make it an expat versus Caymanian situation. That's not what this is at all. There are lots of Caymanians who are. And in fact, I think that some were hesitant to come out and participate um, because of the hate that they still have to put up with that y'all are spewing all over the place. And I think that that is quite unfortunate to be honest. And so I do want to um, talk about that as well. I will be discussing, like I said, some of what transpired. Um, Carol is kind of touching on it already, but I think it's really important to break down exactly what happened and where those rules were set. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of social media commentary in this back and forth. And I think if you miss those, then you probably are not fully aware of, um, of what transpired. And I want to be very clear. The parties who are involved in this um, on the one side really do not want the drama. Like, they're just like, listen, this isn't worth it. Um, it's, you know, Noel's foundation. If he wants to exclude people from his event, for an event that is supposed to be inclusive, then that's on him. Um, and we don't even want to give him the attention that he might be seeking. And I had to think long and hard about how to deal with this situation. But I think because, you know, um, Blake just sort of stressed why I need to talk about it, because there are people out there who are misinformed. Carol's asking the question, how does that, how is that banned? And I must tell you that this was something that the LGBTQ Foundation, the organizers of the event, actually decided to do themselves. It is not my understanding that this was something that was forced upon them by the powers that be. So we need to talk about that because I think that that is um, very, very significant. But like I said, let's start off with a bunch of positivity. Um, Judy and uh, Eden sharing with us why they attended the event. And I'm sure a lot of other people share the exact same sentiments. Here we go.
a part of the very first Pride Day. It's not perfect. I'm sure lots of people have lots of things to say about it. But the fact that this day has happened is the, is the reason why I'm here. I'm so proud to be here with my friends and my family. And I just want to say happy Pride to them. folks so let's talk about um the diversity good morning siobhan jackie vernita bonnie carol um carol said teeth are you sucking your teeth is that what that was about <laughs> buenos dias to alba jennifer is here thank you so much um daisy is here for it thank you miss daisy um so listen here is what went down in a nutshell i'm gonna share some of the social media posts right so my understanding of the situation and i must tell you even at the parade on um, Saturday, literally as I, I knew something was going on beforehand. And then literally as I'm like live streaming it, I'm filming it, I had people stopping me and saying, um, Sandy, did you hear that this situation is happening? And I'm just like, yes, I'm, I'm aware that something is going on here. Um, and my perspective is this, it's very unfortunate that this, situation has happened because it overshadows all of the good that has occurred as a result of this parade, what it's meant to be, what it's, you know, the, the whole reason the original, original um, pride parade was held way back. Does anybody know the exact date? We can look it up. Um, was really one of an inclusive message and um, for people to peacefully protests. And I think that unfortunately, that now has been overshadowed by a bunch of really ridiculousness um, and personalities and egos, quite frankly, getting in the way when that should not be the case. So whilst I'm not taking any sides here, I'm just going to give you that guys the facts. And then um, we can certainly, you know, thank you, Richard, we can certainly discuss it from there. So here's what we know. As you guys know, Chantel and Vicky Bodden are um, the two individuals who decided to legally challenge the system here in the Cayman Islands. And I have said this, I don't know if you guys missed my editorial piece about whether you agree with the legal challenge or not, um, there is something to be said for someone who steps up to the plate and legally challenges something. It's easy, believe me, it's easy to sit back and to have an opinion and that's it. But when it comes to saying, okay, we want to fight for rights and we're going to take it to the next level in terms of, um, someone mentioned the internet is freezing. Is it a bad connection today? Um, anybody else having any freezing issues? Huh. Let me do an internet speed test and see what we got going on here. Mm. 
Okay, let me, um, all right, let me just try to refresh um, the video here. Give me one second, let me refresh it. So hold on. Okay, um, hopefully that's a little bit better. You guys can let me know. I'm just reading some of your comments. Um, trying to see if I can, the live stream is breaking up. Okay, so I've got a few comments here that it's breaking up. Let me know if that's any better, folks. Uh, yeah, so personalities and ego is exactly the issue. And trust me, that's what we got going on here. Um, YouTube, is the YouTube feed any better? Oh, it's interesting. So Natasha says the YouTube feed is fine. It's the Facebook one, which is weird because it's the exact same feed from my end. Um, so maybe Facebook is having some issues. Okay. Switch to, switch to YouTube if you must. Uh, I just moved to YouTube. The feed is good. Okay. Weird. Are you hearing me on YouTube? I don't know what's going on with the Facebook feed. Transmission is really bad, says somebody else. Hmm. Perfect feed on YouTube. All right, folks, switch to YouTube this morning, um, which is weird because, huh, okay. All right, hold on one second, folks. Uh, so let's go to YouTube. Everyone is saying the link is fine. Weird, super, super weird. Um, the broadcast has been paused and will resume shortly. Okay. It's possible that Facebook is having some issues. Oh, not good. Hmm. All right. Yeah, so everybody's saying that YouTube is good. So switch over to YouTube. For the first time ever, we have 60, 60 people and 65 on Facebook. So... I think it speaks to the fact that Facebook is having some issues today, unfortunately. Um, so switch to YouTube, folks. Um, I don't know what's going on with the Facebook. Uh, let me just send out a quick message. All right. So let's, uh, if you can, just switch to switch to. Um, yeah, I don't know what that's about. That's weird. All right, so let's continue the discussion, folks. Um, switch to YouTube is the best that I can tell you. Okay, it's okay now. All right. I don't know. Internet. It's it's actually, it can't be the internet because, well, not from my end, from Facebook. Something's going on with Facebook. Um, because if the... Um, if it was the internet, then you'd see both feeds being distorted, like on my end. But all right. So listen, uh, here's here's what went down. Um, here's what went down this weekend. So essentially, um, all right. I was talking about Chantel and Vicky, right? So you know they they mount the legal challenge, and and every member of the LGBTQ community and beyond. If you believe that people have the right to love who they wish to love, 
um, without being discriminated against in any way, shape or form, especially by the government and by the system, then these two women undoubtedly have been the forerunners um, in this entire thing. And they continue to be the forerunners because this fight actually isn't over. Remember, they're going to the Privy Council and the Privy Council will be considering um, this case, I think, very soon if they not if they haven't already. We might be waiting at a decision. In fact, I'll have to double check where they are with the proceedings. But um, this has cost, I don't even know what the cost is really, but I know that getting to the Privy Council alone is an amazing feat. Um, you know, you try just a regular grand court case and talk to me about costs and then we all understand what's involved. Uh, but it's not even about just the cost, it's a monetary cost. It's about the cost to them as individuals who have really put themselves out there in a way that um, is spectacular. And it has caused, you know, people to be very divided in this community. And finally, the governor had to step in and do what the politicians were unable to do when it, you know, where it relates to this particular um, civil partnership um, law that eventually was put act as it would now be called, that was finally put in place. So there is a degree of acknowledgement. I don't even want to say respect, although respect is the right word for what they have done and what they have accomplished within that community. And I think most people get that. Um, most people understand the sacrifices that they've made and how a lot of you all who are in that community would have never stood up otherwise. So in many respects, it gave people the courage in the LGBTQ plus community to really step forward and say, yes, I'm a person. Here I am, Cayman. I'm gay. I'm a lesbian. You know, whatever term they want to define themselves as. So, um, it, you know, I know that they're very private individuals. So a lot of times I'm very careful about what I say about Vicky and um, her partner. But at the same time, they have done this thing, which um, is applauded by many, and which is also a very public thing, right? Despite the fact that they're very private individuals. And I know that they do not like um, any of the drama that is surrounding the situation, but let me tell you exactly what happened. So apparently there were some conversations around, um, this whole issue that Carol just brought up, right? So the foundation itself, and I don't know if you guys noticed the article that we did a couple uh, days ago about the situation, but the foundation itself put some rules in place. So the government, their, their concern is COVID. So they were like, okay, you've got to be vaccinated. Um, you have to, you know, make sure that we can check the vaccination status of individuals, they did the whole thing with um, the ropes. This is the first time ever that you've seen a parade that actually had ropes and you couldn't just be on the sidelines and then jump into the parade. You had to have been pre-approved uh, to be participating in the actual parade event on that day. So they were very stringent, you know, um, criteria in place in terms of how this was going to work. So all of that was, put in place by the government. Public health said, this is what you need to do, et cetera, et cetera. So this whole thing, and we, we did an article initially on this on um, July the 29th, which was, what day was that? 
that was last week. Uh, that was Thursday. And so we kind of saw a little bit of it coming because people in the community were talking about this whole concept of um, display of public affection, right? So the LGBTQ Foundation, which is a foundation that was set up by Noelle Cayasso-Smith, is um, the organizers of the parade event this weekend. And they had an event on Friday, a pre-event. Um, they had the parade on Saturday. They had the after party at Lily's. And then on Sunday, apparently, they had a brunch event as well. And so they said that, you know, participants must refrain from improper conduct and public indecency, including public displays of affection, whining or gyrating, expo exposing private parts, and public urination and defecation, which that's against the law. Like, did you really have to even say that? But anyway. Um, so, you know, that was put out there. And so Colors Came In, which is another um, group that is supposed to be all about inclusiveness for the LGBTQ plus foundation, um, says that, you know, it supported the parade, but it didn't agree on this whole restriction on the public display of affection. And so they issued a press release last week ahead of the parade, questioning some of these things. And, you know, they wanted to, they were asking them to, Colors was asking um, the LGBTQ Foundation to clarify, you know, the legal source used to conclude that public displays of affection should be prohibited. And it kind of was like, mm, okay. So here's what happened. Apparently, um, these rules, again, were set out by the, the foundation itself and not by the government. But there were other members of the LGBT community who were also asking the same questions as Colors came in. And apparently Chantel um, was one of those individuals. And I think from what I understand is she was like, listen, um, help me understand why you would equate PDA with public indecency and what was the other word that was used? You know, how, how do the two equate? Like if you see two people walking down the hand, walking down the street, um, holding hands, that's not normally considered indecent behavior in no circles, which is true. I mean, it's certainly not indecent behavior um, in law, right? I mean, I can hold hands with anybody I want. Um, so I think people were offended by... Obviously, there's not going to be any public urination or defecation. That's that's horrible to even... I think he insulted. Let me be very frank here. He insulted members of the LGBTQ plus community here in the Cayman Isles by even suggesting that it was necessary to set a rule because no other uh, parade would set a rule that says no public urination or defecation. Like, who who needs to say that? That's That's disgusting number one and number two that's just against the law like you don't do that regardless although public urination i must tell you happens quite a lot in this community and i see it all the time um from construction workers i just honked a guy i think that was on friday standing up on the main road like he wouldn't even walk down the lane or down the bush or whatever doing his thing right there i'm like dude where do you think you are but you know i brought this topic up before on Facebook and all of y'all were telling me, well, what's the big deal? You're being too much of a, you know, you've got a, a stick stuck up where and you're just being too much of a stickler and blah, 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 blah. 
And I was like, really? Well, he just had to go. And I'm just like, wow. So y'all defend that behavior in public, but this type of situation now um, has gotten out of hand. So exposing private parts, clearly. Um, I think really where the, where the difference of opinion comes in is this quote unquote hand-holding or public displays of affection, like hugging someone. That's PDA. If you hug someone, that's PDA. Um, whining or gyrating. Mm, again, I'm going to say it because a couple uh, years ago, I posted from another carnival event, another parade, um, a woman whining and gyrating up on a young child, which I don't think should happen. I don't care what the situation is. That's very inappropriate to normalize that type of behavior in public. Y'all not saying nothing wrong with that. Y'all like, oh, well, this is our Caribbean culture. We wind up on children. So all y'all in here talking about the gay community and really, where were you when we were talking about sexualizing a three-year-old or four-year-old child? Y'all wasn't nowhere to be found in that discussion. There is a double standard without a doubt. The whole purpose of parades is um, for people to wind up and dance and that sort of thing. That's what people do. So whining or gyrating, it didn't even say whining or gyrating on other people. It's just like whining or gyrating. So you just walk in stoically in the parade and, and that's what somebody's laughing. They're like, ha ha ha. Um, and that's what you do. Like, I, I don't even get it. Like you got soca music. Now y'all know I'm not, I'm actually not a parade person. You will probably never see me um, involved in a carnival or parade. That's just not me. That's not, that's not who I am. And so I'm just not interested in that. I don't, I don't normally gyrate in public at all. That's, that's private matters for me. Um, I'm a little bit conservative when it comes to that. I can gyrate all I want in my house and the privacy of my own home and hopefully in the privacy of my bedroom and not in front of a child, right? But that's just me. I, I accept that I'm a little bit more um, old fashioned than some of y'all, especially when it comes to the Caribbean side of things. Cause y'all can really just, mm, mm -mm. some of your behavior and I've seen it. I've seen y'all at these events right? With your, your Batty Man shorts and your, some of y'all don't even wear shorts. You know, you're wearing the equivalent of panties, um, maybe even hardly a panty. And, um, you know, you're winding up and you're drinking in public and, you know, you're just going on like the most, like a proper fool, but that's your business. You're an adult and there's nothing against the law apparently with doing that because it's always been permitted and it's what people do. Like I, I look at the, um, yeah, I mean, listen, not just twerking. I mean, I see so much behavior in public that to me is actually quite unacceptable. The parents normalize even the amount of drinking that y'all do in front of y'all children, drinking and smoking the whole thing now, or these, um, what are the, not cigarettes, but the, um, everybody's smoking these set, these, what, what do they call the ones that are part of that lawsuit and all this drama? Um, oh, Lord. What, what, are the, what are you help me out here? What are y'all calling them now? And I see people smoking these things in front of children and thinking that that's okay when a lot of times they wouldn't smoke a vape. Thank you, Leroy and Kizzy. Yeah, y'all vaping all over the place in front of young children. And you're like, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. 
you normalize a lot of stuff. But when it comes to this community, it seems like there is an obvious double standard. And it was unfortunate that this double standard played out um, leading up to this event and since then. So apparently um, Chantel, who as you guys know, is an attorney at law, just like the Colors um, Cayman group had some questions and she was asking some questions of the event organizer. And if you guys know Noelle, we've talked about Noelle on the show. And as much as I like Noelle in some ways, I'm able to see as someone who um, considered him a friend, I'm able to see his shortcomings. And his shortcomings is he don't really like anybody telling him what to do or making any suggestions or even just questioning him because this wasn't a situation of anyone telling him what to do. This was a situation of um, someone questioning him about why would you equate PDA, which can be defined in so many different ways. Like I said, hand-holding is PDA. Hugging someone is PDA. Like it's a very broad public displays of affection um, covers a lot. And why would you define that as indecent behavior? Because it's not defined as indecent behavior in any other realm. And so I think it's insulting for members of that community to be told that if you hold hands, which you can, you can hold hands, folks, in solidarity with someone. Um, it's not even because of, um, you know, you holding hands in a romantic way. I mean, I hold hands with people all the time. You go to church for God's sake and you hold the congregation, other congregation members' hands to pray and in song and praise and other stuff. So it's a little bit unusual. Now I've got someone here who's um, sending some information that um, says that this was why the foundation released the rules that they had um, present the governor, the premier, and a member of the opposition, and out of respect for them, we wanted to be respectful. So they're saying that because those dignitaries were there, well, let me put it this way. I have seen the previous premier, Alden McLaughlin, he's, you know, he enjoys a good carnival, apparently. I've seen him at a carnival event before, and um, there was none of that reverence given to him. Um... It says, President and the Parade are people from different places in the world and pride marches. Certain behaviors are displayed there that would be insult would have insulted our Cayman community. I guess the foundation wanted to see make it clear. Well, I get all of that. And they said, um, I think their intended rules by mentioning public displays of infection were things like French kissing, groping, etc. I don't think holding hands was a problem. Well, you see, when you don't define it, people will interpret it in a very broad way. And this is exactly what happened. PDA means all of that stuff. And here's where the issue lies, right? So I want to make it very clear. It's not even about the rules. It is about the fact um, that when he was asked to clarify the rules, when he was asked to like, what does that mean? Why would you say that PDA is the equivalent of indecent behavior? When he was asked to clarify the rules, he um, didn't do so. So I think this person who's now sent these comments clarifying what was intended, had he just done that, we wouldn't be talking about this today. What he did instead, and this is now where the issue lies, is what he did instead 
is not only did he not clarify the rules, but he actually removed um, Vicky, her partner, and her dad, who were also who was also going to participate in the parade. He removed them from the parade list. So when they showed up to, um, I don't know what was required to participate in the parade, but when they showed up to do their registration, whatever, I guess they had pre-registered and their name should have already been, was on the list. And so when they got there, their name wasn't on the list and they were told that essentially their name was removed by Noel and they were no longer invited to participate. And I was thinking, is this event an invite only event? So for example, if I wanted to um, attend the event, I'm not a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Would I have been denied the right to attend on some other basis? So I don't know. I mean, that just to me is wrong. Their approach is wrong. I'm not saying that there was anything theoretically wrong with trying to have some rules in place. And what this person has just said at some level makes sense. But when people ask you to clarify something when you're head of a nonprofit organization, I think you need to understand that that means that you have an obligation to respond to people. It's not just about your specific foundation and your um, one or two committee members and satisfying those individuals. People had questions and you could have at least had the courtesy of responding to their questions in a professional manner. So the lack of response, I think, is where the issue lies. And then secondly, removing them without any explanation or any conversation from the parade list. Again, given who they are in the sense that most people see them as the forerunners in this modern day um, of really trying to equalize the playing field for this community. Now, you thought that it would have stopped there, but it hasn't stopped there. And so the conversation and the fallout from this situation continues. And this is what happens when you don't address things um, in the best possible way. I always say this in this program, and I'm going to say this again, that um, problems do not resolve themselves. That's just not what happens. Problems snowball. So if you don't talk about it, if you don't work it out, if you don't express yourself, if you don't communicate, um, nothing resolves itself, itself. You either leave it and allow it to fester or you have a situation um, where it's going to get worse. And in this particular case, it actually has gotten worse. So I wanna talk about what the worst is. So like I said, at the event, I had people saying to me, um, Sandy, you know, are you aware of this situation? This is really disgusting. You know, I can't believe that this is happening, et cetera, et cetera. And um, again, it sort of forced me to address it this morning when, although I knew what was going on, I was kind of happy, perhaps not even having to talk about it. But, you know, this is CMR, this is the cold hard truth. And we talk about the things that are happening in the community, even when they make us uncomfortable. So good morning to Dr. Frank. Dr. Frank says it's possible that nearly every person in attendance were commanding their PR person since they all showed up with their COVID-19 vaccination card and our borders are not yet open, including from the 12,451 newly granted PR and new command status holders that the PPM administration gave away in the last four years. So, I mean, I don't think that it matters um, who, listen, I said it moments ago. There are a lot of Caymanians who part of this community who were not there that day. 
And this isn't a um, Caymanian versus expat situation. I think what's happening here is the expats are joining hands with the Caymanians and showing a sense of solidarity. I had people, Caymanians overseas, who were contacting their parents because I was of two minds in terms of live streaming the event as well. I actually had a lot going on on Saturday, so it wasn't like the best day for me um, to squeeze in another event. But I had to make a, a decision. And one of the reasons why I decided to live stream it is I actually had a Caymanian, multi-generation Caymanian um, mother call me and say, my daughter, her daughter lives in the US, uh, is married to her female partner. She's a lesbian, shocker, um, overseas. And she does not want to live in Cayman because of the hate that she feels in this community towards, generally speaking, the LGBTQ plus community. But she contacted her mom and said, mom, um, find out if CMR is going to be live streaming the event. And I thought, well, Caymanians all over the world um, are looking for this event. So, all right, we'll live stream it. And some of y'all just be nosy and some of y'all are curious and um, wanted to see what was happening. But I can tell you that th that live stream exceeded some numbers. We were pushing 700 people on the live stream which is a really good number for the number of live people. As of late last night, it had over 40,000 views already. And that was just from Saturday afternoon. So people are ob obviously very, very um, interested uh, in it. And so that's why I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and cover the event. And here we are now talking about this fallout. So let's look at a few more elements of it. And then I want to move on to some real discrimination that y'all should be complaining about which is discrimination in the DPP's office, alleged discrimination that people, the powers that be are saying doesn't exist. So y'all better wake up. Because if it doesn't exist, I'm not standing in front of you today. So here's a few things. Um, number one, Billy from Colors Cayman did share on his page that um, this is how he was uh, feeling about the situation. So he said, baby steps is what he called it. And um, he goes on to say that there are words that so many have tried to placate me with whenever I'm inquired about my response to Cayman gay pride, as if to suggest that any action taken to uplift the LGBTQ plus people in the Cayman Islands is without scrutiny and that the event was at least a step in the right, right direction. And uh, Billy goes on to say, well, I'm sorry to say that I don't entirely agree. And whilst that viewpoint is sure to place me squarely in the crossfires or crosshairs of so many, at least allow me to explain myself. Pride began as a protest and it continues as a protest. It was and still is meant to call attention to the many issues that our community struggles with on a daily basis and the neglect and oppression, be it, be it intentional or unintentional. Uh, that we're regularly subjected to. Yes, it's also celebration and it's intended to be a bombastic display in support of our people, but that's still meant to be an utter defiance of our ongoing marginalization. Yet Cayman LGBTQ Foundation, who were responsible for organizing the event and everything surrounding it, stipulated quite the opposite to its participants, restricting their conduct to be even more conservative than what would what we have come to expect from Badabanu or K-Mass Carnival. 
This entirely defeats the purpose of pride and likens our genuine and valid displays of affection towards um, our romantic partners to vile acts such as public defecation and urination, to quote the words of Cayman LGBTQ Foundation itself. Furthermore, noticeably absent from the Cayman gay pride celebration were country's most powerful activists. Uh, was there any recognition given to Chantal Day and Vicky Bodden-Bush, the two lesbian women who've been championing for marriage equality in the Cayman Islands for years now, and are largely responsible for the success of the Civil Partnership Act? Was there any recognition given to Dr. Leonardo Raznovich, internationally recognized LGBTQIA+, I don't even know what the IA stands for, to be honest, but um, rights activist, who was the catalyst for igniting the conversation surrounding LGBTQ rights, equally the same marriage, uh, same-sex marriage in 2015. Um, he goes on to then say, lastly, it is common knowledge to those um, in this line of work that Pride was started over 50 years ago by trans women, Marsha P. Q. Johnson and Sylvia, Sylvia Rivera. Let me just pause there. This is news to me. I mean, this I'm re when I was reading this, I was like, oh. This is a learning experience. Um, Sylvia Rivera, who, uh, sorry, was any recognition given to these two trailblazers or the significance of trans women spearheading this movement? Why was any recognition given to Cayman's own trans woman who founded and continues to operate her country's first ever LGBTQ plus nonprofit organization, which is Billy, just to make clear. Um, in, in short, our first Cayman Gay Pride was um, a pride in name only, and it should be recognized what is true, what truly is a celebration. That does not discount the significance it had for our community, but we must also remain vigilant and recognize that we have so much farther to go. The conversation surrounding what it means to be LGBTQ and so on in the Cayman Islands is only just beginning. Yes, there's room for the conversation about class. Yes, there's room for the conversation about privilege. Um, yes, there's room for the conversation about racism. Yes, there's room for the conversation about internalized homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, and the diverse and negative impacts they have within our community. And yes, we have a right to call out all of those who are guilty perpetuating the silencing of those so invested in the issues our community still faces even if they themselves are part of it. As a queer activist who's been fighting for so many years um, now, it would be irresponsible of me not to call attention to the many crucial issues that were entirely ignored or individuals who were purposely, some might argue even strategically excluded from the festivities. And as much as I want to participate in the rejoicing of what should be, uh, such a historic and meaningful moment for our cause, I cannot help but feel cast out and even more marginalized and sadly by the very same people who should be fighting alongside me. That said, I'm proud of how far we've come and I'm proud of the people who worked so hard to get us here. I only wish that the Cayman LGBT community would be proud of us as well. So what a hot mess, folks. Um, at some level... The point is made, folks, that this is just a bunch of infighting um, within, you know, what so many, some may see as competing organizations. But I think it goes beyond that because, uh, like I said, there are numerous people who aren't even part of 
the LGBT community who supported the cause on Saturday, who were approaching me saying, Sandy, have you heard about the situation? And um, that it's unfortunate that this is happening. And it seems to be a clash of personalities for sure. Now, um, Noelle has made um, a number of um, comments. So the first thing is, he did comment on his Facebook page yesterday at some point, said that he wanted to put this out there, that um, I guess this is his personal page. He said, I'd like to put this out there to everyone on my Facebook. This is my account and I'm free to post whatever I want to choose. I choose to post, sorry. If you feel that you don't like my post, then do yourselves a favor and delete your friend requests. Um, negative, negativity will not be tolerated on here and I will uh, block anyone I feel is being a jackass. Have a blessed Sunday. And the only thing... I find to be disrespectful is a number of narrow-minded people who feel that they can dictate to others how to live their lives when they need to be sorting, they need to be into sorting their own. It's called live and let live and mind your own business. So I, this was sent to me and I don't know, um, the assumption was this was in relation to um, the situation here. Noel has just reached out to us and he says that, good morning, Sandra, hope you're well. In regards to colors, we have emails inviting him, inviting Billy, she, sorry, to join the parade from June and she declined and it would be more happy to provide if necessary that was sent before any of this started. So, um, listen, I get their, their personalities involved here. Um, you know, I suppose the LGBTQ foundation was set up as an alternative to colors came out, obviously, because their remit probably is somewhat very similar between the organizations. But Noel obviously felt like Colors Came Man wasn't meeting the needs of some people in the community. So he set up this alternative foundation. I think that the biggest issue for me, I'm not going to get into the back and forth between Noel and, um, and, and Billy, but I think the bigger issue is how Chantal was treated and her family members, even her dad. Like, why would you remove them from the parade list without even having a discussion with them. I mean, it's kind of one of the rudest things that you can do to have an event and to have someone invited and then uninvited. Like people really take offense, even just a regular party. Like you don't invite people and then uninvite them without even saying why that has happened. So um, it sort of has culminated with Noelle is also hosting another event, which is the, um, oops, let me just pull up the right one here which is the one year, a celebration for the one year um, civil partnership ruling, a celebration of that event. And again, it seems like people are saying that this gala, so it's a civil partnership anniversary gala that is slated to take place in September, um, is being organized without any participation or consent or anything, not that they would need consent, but with any participation, of um, the people who probably made the civil partnership ruling possible. Not probably, definitely made it possible because listen, that partnership ruling would have never been the partnership ruling and then the, the, um, the eventual law that is now in place, the eventual act that was put in place by the governor would never have been possible if we didn't have that court of appeal decision where the judges said, fix it. We only got to that step because of Vicky and Chantel and because they, they fought the fought, the legal fight, right? 
So Noel is organizing this event to celebrate that victory. And there are people who are reaching out to Chantel saying, oh, you're doing this event. And apparently she knew nothing about it. So she had to clarify that despite the name, this is not an event and not related to me or Vicky at all. This is what she posted. We only learned about this um, being organized and have no involvement in this event whatsoever. Wish the foundation the best with their event, but wanted to clarify this point as the posts um, below may be misleading. So there were some people who felt like, you know, um, that she was organizing this civil partnership anniversary gala when she has nothing to do with it. She also did post um, a comment, if you'll see in the bottom left there, that says a quick note to confirm that this event was not related to me or Vicky. And then that was deleted. So that is why she took to her own page to, to then just clarify for um, others that this was not an event that she had any involvement in. Now, this type of behavior is very dis divisive, folks. The whole thing is uncomfortably divisive. And here's what ended up happening. All of these people here that you see in this photo actually ended up going to craft um, in support of Vicky and um, Chantel on Saturday. Some of them may have participated in the parade. And I noticed that quite a few of them didn't. I see a lot of faces in this photo that are part of that community and supporters. Uh, there's Eden and Judy. They went to both, evidently. Um, but there was a whole group of people who did not, and I'm sure by extension, their friends and family and whatever, who did not support this event because um, of, you know, this situation of Vicky and um, Chantel Day being uninvited. And I think that this is really unfortunate. Here, here is my advice to the community. I'm not a member of the community, but what I would say is to just get your ish together, sort it out, um, have a come to Jesus moment, sit down, talk about your differences and, um, you know, just sort it out. It doesn't look good uh, to have as small as your community is, this level of divisiveness in the community. It's not good that I even have to address it this morning and talk about it. And um, I'm trying not to get into the back and forth because I'm really not interested in that. But I think there are clearly some issues here. Obviously, personalities are at play. People are getting their feelings involved. And I think that when you're involved in organizations, whether it's Colors Came In, um, LGBTQ Foundation or whatever, that there is a degree of um, professionalism that has to be um, utilized at some level. And I think if people come and ask you, well, why are these rules in place? You have reasons, you know, which were just clearly shared um, with, with someone close to the committee, then just explain those reasons. That would have probably been the end of that conversation. But um, the, the story that we're getting is they were not responded to the questions that people had and then they were just um, quite rudely removed from the list of participants. Other than that, other than all that drama, it was a good event. Um, so I think that, you know, it's the first event and I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to the event growing. I think that what you're gonna have happening as well is if these things don't get addressed, you have people in the background, part of that community who are watching and you will find that they are going to pick sides and that there will be events that the LGBT community um, foundation hopes to put on 
that will not be um, celebrated and not be, you know, um, supported by other members of the community. And you don't want that. Like I said, the whole point is inclusion. So um, Jonathan says, well, I support the Gander Day Parade as, as much as the Alphabet Day Parade. Um, first of all, I don't support smoking in any way, shape or form. Um, so if you're talking about smoking anything, then um, no, I would not be in support of that because smoking anything is actually really bad for your health. If it's med, if it's medicinal marijuana, that's already in place. So you shouldn't have any issues getting cannabis oil and um, having access to that. That's cool. Hard truth, my friend. Um, so why am I so against medical marijuana? Lord have mercy. This, this is not a topic of marijuana versus gay people. Y'all really need to pick another topic. Um, so Jesse says, absolutely. Chantel and Vicky have done more than anyone else in legal terms for the LGBTQ plus persons in Cayman. And, um, what about the ropes that were used? So I think that that was a requirement of the police or public health because uh, they were very, very clear that, you know, um, parade people who were approved were within the yellow ropes and they had, I guess, marshals or whatever, making sure that that was, um, you know, um, mm. That that was that was um, it put in place by them. Poor Carson. He says, "Sandy, you're my friend, but I know you're all in for gay." My goodness, poor you, Carson. Um, it, well, if you're my friend, that you would know that um, I have been a supporter of the LGBT community, and that's not going to change. They have a right to live their lives free of you know prejudices and so on. Um, you have a right to not be gay. Shocker. Look at that. If you're not gay, then you're not gay. Uh, and you'll be all right. We've been through this conversation, I feel like, a million times already. But I'm not of the opinion that someone chooses to be gay. And I know some of you don't agree with that, but there's good factual evidence for that belief. Now, listen, y'all believe all sorts of things that there's absolutely no evidence for. So we ain't going to get into that debate. Um, but you know what? If you choose to, here, here's my thing on smoking as well. That's not even like vaccination. If you choose to smoke um, in the comfort of your own home or not around me, certainly, and not around children or anybody else, then that's your business. You can smoke a thousand packs of cigarettes a day. As long as you're not impacting my health and the health of people that I care about. So you're not doing it in a public place, which, as you know, smoking in public is actually against the law now. Um, then then that's on you. That's your business. Smoke all you want. Burn up the place. I don't care. That's actually not my concern about smoking. My concern about smoking is I don't want to be impacted by your smoke. And neither should my children or anybody else's children in a public place. Stay out your, turn to your yard and smoke all you want. Smoke, use, use all four limbs, one in each hand and one on each foot. Smoke till you drop dead. I don't really care. I don't have a fight against marijuana. Um, you know, you can, like I just said, smoke it all you want. You and the law will have to deal with that. that has, that's not my, my business. 
Um, but for me, smoking anything, I don't care if it's marijuana or a piece of paper or a cigarette or anything else. Yes, child, this is, listen, two things when the LGBT conversation comes up. Oh, well, we must marijuana, we must um, legalize marijuana and, ganja, er, and gambling. What does that have to do with the issue? It is, it is deflection at its best. And um, I get that. So we're not even going to engage in that conversation because I know the source of it. And it's, it's really a source of hate. I mean, and how can you hate people who are your own brothers and sisters? You know what I'm saying? Every single one of you in here. In fact, some of y'all that be hating people the most know y'all gay too. You want the cold, hard truth? Some of y'all haven't figured out your feelings yet. And one day you're going to wake up and realize, oh my God, I've actually been hating in this community because I'm not comfortable with my own sexuality. If one thing you know about me is I'm comfortable with my sexuality. I've never had a doubt about where I stand and what who I am. Not even a moment, not even a glimmer of doubt. So y'all need to get into your own feelings and figure that shit out. Because I ain't got a problem with it. You know? Um... Even sometimes people in the LGBT community, because I do support them without any questioning, it's just like, you know, you guys do you and whatever. Sometimes they've been like, are you sure you're not a lesbian, Sandy? And I'm like, honey, chat, please. As I always say, strictly dickly, no, I'm not a lesbian. I'm very comfortable in who I am. But it's like they find it a bit strange that yes, there are people out there in the non-LGBT community who just support you to love who you want to love. And that's it. So Marcia, Marika, sorry, says, talk the thing, Sandy. Yes, child. They just don't get it for them. Um, Debbie says, Sandy, keeping the shit real as usual. Y'all know. Y'all know. Fact check that, honey, child. And I have always had friends. I remember, um, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to move on to the DPP issue, right? Um, I remember when I was in university and um, I had a young man, his name was George. He was a training pilot. So we'd always go up in the little plane together. And um, I heard at George one day we were driving and he was, he came, he decided that he wanted to tell me that he was gay. Right. Which I probably wasn't all that surprised about the more I reflect on it. But anyway, so we're driving and he tells me this. And just as he tells me, he runs a red light and almost gets us killed. And I was like, George, believe me when I tell you, this is not the kind of thing that you need to kill me over. This isn't a state secret where you tell me then you have to kill me because, you know, the world is going to end or something. I'm like, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to learn to live your life um, where you're happy. And of course, he was most afraid of having to tell his parents. So the weekend, he was from um, Melbourne area in Florida, and we were in Tampa. So that weekend that he finally decided that he was going to tell his parents, um, he wanted me to come with him because he was so afraid of having to tell his parents. And I think it's unfortunate that anyone has to live their life uh, shorted in secrecy and pretending to be someone that they are not. And that to me is really what this is about, that people should have that freedom. Um, they're consenting adults to be who they are, you know, and it's not for me to tell them who they need to be or to judge them. And um, I fight for that right for, for them, you know, to have that level of happiness that all of, all of the rest of us enjoy. I'm not going to wake up and tell you Carson, um, 
or um, Jonathan or anybody else, I'm not going to wake up and tell you who to love. I'm not going to say, well, you can't love somebody from West Bay because I don't like West Bears. Or I have a problem with people from East End, so you better not like them. Or you can't marry a white foreigner because, oh, no, we don't want any more foreigners in Cayman. That's not my business to tell you who to love. Okay? I don't think you have a choice in who you fall in love with. Um, and a lot of times, even who you're attracted to, it is what it is. So, you know, knock yourself out. And just like I'm not going to tell you what race, creed, or whatever, I'm not going to tell a member of the LGBT community um, what consenting adult they can have a relationship with or what they do in the privacy of their own home. That's just how it is. And so the comments today about the little situation that's happening within the community, I hope they can get it sorted out. But don't mistake that for thinking that I am against this community in any way. I support all members of the community, and I think that they just need to get their shit together, basically. Uh, let's talk about something. Carson says, I'm a Caymanian, and I love my Caymanians. Well, if you love your Caymanians, then you would know that um, a good number of your Caymanians are also members of the LG LGBTQ community. Jonathan says, and it's nobody's business if I smoke or not. Like I said, smoke all you want. The law might not agree with you, but I don't care if you smoke. As long as you don't do it in public, because I see some of y'all wanted to even go to public beach and light up marijuana sticks on the beach. A regular cigarette can't even be smoked on public beach, much less marijuana. So let me be very clear, Jonathan, smoke all you want. You want to smoke 50 joints a day? Knock yourself out. That ain't my, I don't care. One iota. As long as you don't do it in public, you don't do it around children, and you don't do it around me. Otherwise than that, your house could be one big pot globe full of smoke. It ain't my business. You ain't my neighbor, so it's not going to be seeping into my house. I don't care. Let's talk about the DPP's office and racism. Since y'all really want to talk about uh, some serious issues today. So last week, there was a case, um, Evita Dixon is the lady's name. She was vindicated in a court of law um, when a jury of her peers found her not guilty on Friday of, what was the actual charge? Hold on one second. Let me tell you what they were calling it. It's, um, it was actually an anti-corruption case, believe it or not. And so I want to break this down for you guys because there was an investigation going on. The governor's office, after we released our story on Friday, issued a statement that um, he had carried out an investigation and didn't find any evidence of racism. In the DPP's office, I'm going to tell you why he didn't find any evidence. Because I think they're probably calling it um, the wrong thing. I don't think what it really is, is racism. I think it's something else. So give me one second. All right, so um, hold on one second here, folks. Right, so Evita was uh, arrested at her workplace in the parking lot and charged with um, by the Anti-Corruption Commission, which, as you know, is a separate unit of the police. So they deal with, like, um, government people who are accused of corruption and that sort of thing. And she was charged with a single count of, um, doo -doo 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 -doo. 
what was the actual um oh gosh what was the actual charge fraud or something I'll, I'll get the exact um charge here in a second right so um a jury of her peers after seven week trial and there was a bit of back and forth i think there were some stops in the trial and they did a lot of stuff behind the scenes and whatever um she was vindicated by her peers now i didn't sit in on a whole lot of the case but i was there for the closing arguments and one of the things that was brought up and and part of her defense was that the office that she worked in was very toxic and the word that attorney um qc courtney griffiths used is that she was um subjected to a toxic work environment which was i think somebody else testified about and subjected to racism by her superiors and i want to talk about that so the allegation was that Evita, who had worked with the DPP's, DPP's office for over 18 years in the capacity of an administrative officer, um, was trying to hide her son's file. So speaking of Ganja, y'all will find this interesting. Jonathan, y'all paying attention. Carson, ready for a big smoke up? Take a puff off of this one. Um, he was arrested for consumption and possession of Ganja. And they, are, they accused her of attempting to delay or hide his file and doctor the computer system so that it would be statute bar and then they wouldn't be able to proceed with the case against him. So um, it is a little bit of an unusual charge. First of all, um, I must say that if you've been working for government for 18 years and your son gets arrested for mere possession and consumption, it's not like a murder charge. It's not attempted murder. It's not a serious assault. It's not like the boy going to jail. Okay. Um, apparently, he um, would probably, I don't know if this was his first offense or not, but he would be subjected to drug court. He'd get a slap on the wrist and he'd be told, uh, don't do it again. That's what happens. That's exactly what happens. Why would she throw away? And I thought this was always a weird question. Like when you look at criminals, you need to ask the why. People are not always um, logical sometimes in what they do. But this really makes no sense whatsoever. Why would she throw away a 19 or almost 19 year career with the DPP's office because your son was caught with a spliff. That'll make no damn sense. So the why for me is like really weird, but that was the allegation. Now here's what else is quite interesting about this case, right? The allegation was made by, um, what's his name? Patrick Moran, I want to, I don't want to call him a moron. It's Moran, M-O-R-A-N, not M-O-R-O-N. Patrick Moran, Moran, not mispronounce the man's name, um, is the one who actually made the allegation. So she was charged with a breach of trust. Yes. So he made the allegation against her. Now, as you guys remember, Patrick was actually 
um, let me just pull this up here. He was actually in the CMR news a couple times. Y'all remember this. Y'all might remember. Hold on. Let me remind you of how many times he was in the news. Okay. Now here, this situation. Um, he has been in the news a couple of times. Let's go back to him having a meltdown in court. Now we know back in July of 2019, we did a story called Critics Question. I'm gonna share this with you all so that you can see this. We did a story called Critics Question, the commissioner of police, the DPP's handling of criminal charges against a Cayman Airways pilot. So a Cayman Airways pilot walked away with no convictions and no record and so on. Um, after she had been arrested initially with assaulting a police and uh, police officer and um, damaged her property, assault, assault causing occasional bodily harm, injuries to a police officer, and four counts, four charges of DUI. Two assaulting police, damaged her property, and assault occasioning bodily harm. All those charges, child, and she walked away with nothing. Hmm. But yet, you want to believe that um, this woman who now works in, your DP, in the DPP's office would have gone out of her way to hide a file for her son. Y'all wasn't asking too many questions about how all these charges disappeared against this young lady who is a pilot with Cayman Airways. So no conviction for all of that stuff. Oh, we're going to just leave that in her file. Really now? Okay. So let us fast forward a little bit here. Um, Mr. Moran makes the news yet again. So he, at some point, was acting head of the DPP's office after Cheryl Richards left. Now, as you guys will remember, Cheryl Richards left um, after she was appointed as a, um, oh, sorry. <laughs> you guys just saw messaging somebody. I'm on air. I'll talk to you later. Um, she left after Cheryl Richards was appointed as a grand court judge, right? So he was appointed. I don't even remember when he was officially appointed. Anyway, he was appointed. I think he was only in the position about three years. But anyway, here he is. Director of OPP, Office of Public Prosecution. Same thing as DPP. Um, D DPP is the director and this is the office. He had a meltdown in court in February of 2020. So we reported this situation where um, I don't know what happened to him. I guess lawyers under a lot of stress, child. Um, he had some kind of verbal outburst in courtroom five in the Kirk House building uh, shortly after 4 p.m. And this was in relation to the Bonaventure manslaughter case, which you'll remember that QC Courtney um, Griffiths was involved in that as well. And those men were also exonerated and found not guilty by a jury of their peers. So apparently in this case, the judge had left the courtroom. Moran decided to fully express himself over some procedural situation that he was not happy about. And the story goes that there was a whole room full of people who overheard him yelling that he wanted the hearing for the following morning at 9.30 a.m. So the outburst caused, um, you know, 
attorneys to including visiting QCs, family members of the defendants and attendees in court. They all witnessed it. They were like, oh, snaps, what the heck is going on here? And um, the meltdown appeared to have been triggered because of um, attorney Lee Halliday Davis, I guess, I don't know if she said something to him or, but it was sort of directed at him. And as we see here at the time, it said that she was taken, she was visibly taken aback by the verbal onslaught um, and stated that she would not engage him any further if he continued to speak to her in that manner. So the reason why this is really important is because this certainly brings up um, a list of, you know, what appears to be a certain type of behavior coming from Patrick Moran. So we go on then to see him in May of 2020. So this is now, he has this outburst in February and a year and a little bit later, he resigns, which I think his resignation took effect uh, the end of last month, so the end of July. So he resigned amid claims of racism. And this was a story again that we broke. You heard it first in CMR folks where basically there were allegations that um, he uh, was engaging in racist behavior in the workplace and these complaints were filed with the governor's office and supposedly the Judicial and Legal Secretary's Commission was going to undertake some sort of an investigation. He was just appointed November 2019, so he wasn't there for very long actually. And um, yeah, so here he is now having resigned. So the interesting thing about this case with um, Evita Dixon is the DPP's office now takes center stage in relation to this accusation of racism against Devita, um, Evita, my apology, Dixon, who is a, um, you know, administrative officer. Now, here's what's interesting. Of course, they have denied it. They said it isn't true. There's no racism in the office, blah, blah, blah. So the defense actually called some people who work at the DPP's office. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, honey child. Jonathan, you better take a puff of your, your thing there now because here comes some real cold hard truth. Um, apparently, one, one situation that the defense pointed at is like, okay, here's an example of where pe the, the seniors in the office have a little bit of an issue. Now, our little friend, Darlene Oku, y'all remember her. She was the prosecutor that they brought in for my case, uh, my harassment case with Matthew Leslie. She says, and we always knew this, that she only tries high level cases of murder and child abuse, but yet they sent her after me for something that could have been a category A or C offense or whatever the heck it's called. In other words, it could have been held, it could have been heard in summary court really, but they sent her after me with a vengeance. And boy, did she ever have a vengeance. Oh, she's like a pit bull. Y'all should know. So she goes after some really, really um, serious cases. So she takes the stand and she testifies that when she first started at the DPP's office, that she found that Vita Dixon to be a very good worker. And in fact, um, I don't think he's left the office yet, Natasha. He's not, I mean, the country. He hasn't left. He hasn't gone anywhere. 
Girl, you check you check them airline flights because as far as I know, that man's still right here in Cayman. Anyway, he, uh, she, Darlene, Oku, takes the stand. She's from Canada, from Saskatchewan or some some little bush bushy place. Um, she takes the stand, and um, she then says that you know when she first started that Evita was very helpful in the office, and in fact that Evita knew more about her more than her in terms of procedure, which to be expected, Evita has been there a long time, how the office works and all the other stuff that's going on in the office and blah, blah, blah. So it sounds like initially she needed Evita to kind of show her the ropes in the office. Now, Evita claims, you know, that things changed and she was subjected to this toxic work environment. And one example that they um, used is that there was an office party in which, um, not an office party, but a bus party. And some people from the office, I guess, were um, were invited and Evita organized it, but she didn't invite Darlene. Now, the reason why she says she didn't invite Darlene, it was a, a younger crowd. Darlene really ain't that young. She looked like she's probably close to retirement age. Only God knows uh, why we keep bringing people in from retirement age from certain select countries and giving them these contracts and allow them to get status and retire right here and still give him contracts even after they pass retirement age. That's a whole other question really. But so Darlene ain't no spring chicken is the point. Okay. So she said she wasn't going to invite Darlene because at the end of the day, this is probably one of those parties where they were going to be gyrating on the bus. Ooh, heaven forbid they were going to be gyrating, probably holding hands and dancing on each other. And who knows what else drinking. It was a bus tour, bus cruise, bus party. Yeah. So Darlene doesn't really look like the type of person. I gotta be honest, I agree with this. She doesn't look like the she she would she looks like the type of person who's not gonna have a whole lot of fun on a bus party. But you know, they say never judge a book by its cover. So maybe if you give Darlene a couple drinks or something, Hennessy or whatever, and make her um, smoke some of Jonathan's special herbs, she'll be having just as good a time as anyone. Anyway, she was not invited. So Darlene takes a stand and says, well, my lack of an invite was not a big deal. Oh, is that correct, Darlene? Are you sure? So, you know, our friend, Mr. Courtney, he's actually um, from the UK, but he's a man of color and he's actually quite a good attorney, I must say, from my um, amateurish observations. So he said, Darlene, Miss Oko, are you sure that you were not bothered by this non-invitation? No, 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 no. I don't care. It was not a big deal. Well, other people took the stand to actually um, share that it was a big deal <laughs> to Darlene, apparently. So much so that let me tell you what happened. What happened is Emily, what's her name? Emma? I don't know who the heck Emma is, but Hem Emma Hutchinson. Um, now let me, let me look up who this Emma Hutchinson is. I bet you she English. I'm just saying Hutchin, Hutchinson. Let's see what she looks like. So Emma, oh Lord have mercy. Is that her? Emma Hutchinson. Has she gotten a new job at the ombudsman's office? Oh, y'all know we sure can give them positions. Mm-mm-mm. No, sir. Let me have a look and see if this is her. Oh, yes, my dear child. She done got promoted. Look at that. 
Emma Hutchinson joined her office in January 2020. Oh, of course she did. Yeah, if I know came out of investigators. As a senior investigator focused on maladministration, well, she should know all about that, and whistleblower complaints. Mm. She's a qualified solicitor advocate and has 12 years experience as a lawyer. She's worked for the Cayman Islands government for two and a half years and the UK government for 14 years. Lord Jehovah. So we bring you here after two and a half years and can, prom can promote you into um, a nice cushy job with the ombudsman's office. And you know, once they get over there, they never leave anyway. Mm, mm, mm. Lord Jesus, time for you to be taking a wheel around here because this bus, the entire train is going off the rails this morning. But all right, Miss Emma. So Miss Emma and all of her professionalism of being an attorney for 14 years in the UK and here in the Cayman Islands for two and a half years, she's actually the one who ran, I can see her now, clippity-clip in some probably high heel shoes. She runs to um, Darlene and informs Darlene that, oh my God, Darlene, you've not been invited to this party. You know, Evita's having a bus party. Like, who who the hell's Evita? Not to invite you to her bus party. This is just quite not right. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm appalled that she wouldn't invite you, Granny, because you're, you're going to spoil the party. So she runs to Evita, uh, what's her name? Emma runs to Darlene and tells Darlene that she's invited. So Darlene gets on the stand and says, oh, but that's okay. It wasn't a big deal, but it turns out it was very much a big deal because Darlene was so up in her feelings that she was going around the office talking about it. Well, you know, let me be very clear. Yes, Natasha, these bitches are in high school. They are very much in high school. This is ridiculous. I mean, I have not, talk about not getting invited to stuff and parties. It's just stupid. I'm trying to think if this has ever even happened to me where I don't get invited to a party and I go, I'm so upset about it. No, it's never happened. If you didn't invite me to a party, I don't care. I go have my own damn party. What do you think this is? Sure. You're an adult. You're a big woman. Darlene looks like she probably got children that are 50 years old herself. She probably just hasn't aged all that well, but whatever. So, um... Child, th this case was a hot mess. The prosecution was going to live this. They were going to lose this case from the word jump, and they should have known it. But we're going to talk about some serious aspects of it here in a second. So anyway, Darlene gets up in her feelings. The prosecution calls three defense witnesses who were all DPP, DPP employees. Gavin Dixon came on in, Stacey Ann Kelly came on in, and Greg Walcom. And I think Greg is actually from Jamaica, I believe. Now, you know, the vast majority of the people in the DPP's office are not Caymanian. They need to fix that, first of all. I'm just saying. They really need to fix that. Okay? So, um, all of those people testified about the toxic environment in the DPP's office and how, under the leadership of Moran, there was a clear difference in the professionalism and just the... the, the um, you know, the entire office environment changed after Cheryl Richards left. And isn't this incredibly interesting? And there was a marked difference in his leadership. And they also gave evidence that directly contradicted what Oku said about her not having any in ill feelings about the invitation. And this is important because the people who make the allegations against Evita, a breach of trust, is first Patrick Moran, and then Emma, I guess, is supporting it, and um, Darlene. 
trying to claim that this woman who worked there for 18 years was hiding her son's file and doctored the computer system. Now, you know, they are stupid as I don't know what. Because if you can doctor the computer system at the DPP's office without an audit trail system being implemented, something wrong with y'all. You need a new IT person. My God, you use QuickBooks and it has an audit trail. Surely the system that you're using has an audit trail in it, right? But they just want to throw out these allegations against this poor Caymanian girl, ruin her reputation, potentially send her to jail. But them, them jurors were wise to what's going on because they have probably experienced this kind of shenanigans in their workplaces too. Because it happens a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. So Darlene, a well-respected senior attorney, gets on the stand and basically lies through her teeth. Now, Darlene has since left the DPP's office. She's over in the office of, um, what the heck do they call themselves now? Legal Aid. Which is held up, which is um, held the, the director there, Stacy Park. Now, Stacy Ann, I think it's Stacy Ann, or just Stacy. You need to keep an eye on Darlene, honey, because she's moving into your department to take your job. If you don't know the score, I'm telling you the score today. Yes, yeah, she was hired as legal counsel for the Office of uh, Legal Aid. She'll soon be the director of Legal Aid. Watch yourself, watch your back. Okay, that's how these people operate. Anyway, she got up on the stand and she lied. I wonder, will anyone be pursuing any perjury charges against her? Because when you have three other people in the office who have basically text testified that she was bothered by it, she was overheard going around telling people how she had a problem with it. It's obvious that she lied. Will we ever hold these people accountable? How the hell can you have a senior member of the DPP's office, now legal counsel, to legal aid, getting up on the stand and lying, and y'all not raising an eyebrow going, oh, perhaps this isn't a good look. Perjury. You've just committed perjury. Really? You should be charged. She should be the one facing some charges here this Monday morning. But y'all think that's going to happen? Please. <sighs> mm -mm -mm -mm. So, um... Yeah, she had complained to numerous individuals. Um, even Emma Hutchinson also contradicted Oku's testimony when she said that she was upset about not being invited to the bus party. So the same little tattletale who went and ran to um, Oku, Darlene, ends up throwing her under the bus and saying, yeah, she was upset because it's the truth. Mm, mm, mm. Anyway... Darlene claims that, you know, over the course of time that um, uh, Miss Evita Dixon's attitude in the office changed towards her. Well, Evita saying her attitude changed because they were treating her like a piece of garbage. And that's why she had a problem with, you know, people disrespecting her. Anyway, child, you know, Darlene can't see that. It might have been you know, looking her right in the face and she still couldn't see it. That's normally how it works. Um, so they talk about the toxicity in the office. And I think their mistake for the, for the defense is they called it racism. I'm not so sure it's racism because being a Caymanian isn't a race. We are a people, I suppose. 
Um, so because it's not a race, I don't think that racism was the right word because I'm sure he treats the um, Jamaican staff in the office probably with a certain amount of disdain as well, right? He's just a rude little pompous um, guy is what I've heard about Patrick Moran. I personally do not have any dealings with Patrick. I have had dealings with um, Darlene and she is rude as she can be. In fact, she is so rude that the only time I have ever been minded to box somebody in court has been with Darlene Oku. And of course I reserved myself because I'm still better than her no matter what she thinks. And they wouldn't have had a real reason to try and lock me up. But she is so rude. I've never had an attorney. Now, y'all know I'm famous for having like six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 cases between me and the DPP's office. And I've never lost any of those. So Dr. Frank, you're paying attention this morning. Keep it straight. When I say that I've never lost a case, I'm talking about criminal cases here, okay? And no, no CMR cases either, but I'm talking about criminal cases, all right? So she walks out of a courthouse after she lost an application because... And in her um, desire to get me at all costs, because she really wanted me to go to jail, y'all. Oh, honey child. She must have had plans with those girls up in prison to extra to braid my hair extra thin or something. Because she was really gunning for me to go to jail. I mean, I've never, I sat there and I was so flabbergasted by her, her lack of professionalism and handling that case. Um, I have said that I need to file a professional complaint against her. Because it, it was like nothing that I've seen. But you know the system not going to do anything about it, right? Anyway, she lost that she'd gone in after the, the um, initial hearing. She'd gone back and told me, oh, she needs to alter my, my bail applications come saying something online that she don't like. Um, oh, no, it was the fact that I had shared a letter, an email that she had sent to my attorney. And, you know, because they messed up on the indictment papers, sloppy, sloppy, sloppy work on the indictment papers. They didn't get the law right. They didn't get all this stuff right. So she came out with, oh, you know, if your client will plead guilty, Darlene, what, what universe are you living in, honey? We don't plead guilty to stuff we don't do. We don't lie around here, but y'all don't know nothing about that. Oh, if your client will plead guilty, we'll give her a deal. <laughs> you must be out of your mind. Anyway. No, there was no no deals to be made. All right, no deals. We fight for the truth, down to the last toenail if we have to. Anywho, that letter that she sent to my attorney was shared online. She's like, "Oh well, she shouldn't be able to do that." The judge was like, "What? If she wants to share something with, that normally attaches client lawyer privilege, so that's between me and my attorney. But if I decide to share it, then that's my business." I have the right to share it. You can't tell me not to share a letter that someone sends to my attorney about me. The attorney gives it to me and if I feel like sharing it, I can share it. So she actually went to court trying to convince the court that um, I should be subjected to a breach of bail conditions and be sent to jail for that. The judge was like, that's not what the bail conditions say. So I don't know what you're talking about. If she wants to share it, then that's her business. <laughs> that's not a breach of bail conditions. I mean, it's stupid. That's like correspondence that essentially you're sending to her through her lawyer. And if she wants to share her own correspondence, knock herself out. So she was upset that she lost the bail application. And let me tell y'all what Darlene did, right? 
talk about lack of professionalism. She walked out of the courthouse and passed remarks to me, but I better watch myself or something like that. Ooh, honey child. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Now y'all know, where, where's my poor Bible? Because I was just like, Jesus, please fix it. Because if Darlene knows what I know, she would never speak to me like that ever again. I have never in all of my years of going to court, seeing all these trials, I've never seen an attorney come out of a courthouse and say anything to defend it in a case. That is so unprofessional, but she's the one who gets promoted, huh? Y'all need to wake up and pay attention to what is actually happening in this country. And I said to her, I'm going to be very honest with you. This wasn't inside the court. And I said to her, bitch, I said, don't you ever talk to me like that again. I, I told her, I, Jesus, as, as God is my witness, I said, don't ever talk to me again. Because if you know what I know. I, I, what? Lord Jehovah. It's on, it's online. The, all the information is in the story, Keb. Yes, honey child, I had to take a moment and breathe. You know when they see you say breathe and, and speak? Because um, if that was a defendant, you would have been hauled off and locked down in the cell. I was like, Sandy, this woman not going to be worth She's not going to be worth it. You probably knock all the hair off her head. Just calm yourself. <clears throat> Count to a thousand. And let's uh, relax. Because this woman has lost her mind. She's crazy. And from then, I understood the level of vitriol that I would have to be subjected to throughout that trial. And it was only until the very end of the trial, when I took charge of it, fired my attorney, and took charge of it myself during my sentencing hearing, and described her behavior that she's like, oh, well, I don't have a problem with Miss Sandy or CMR. I was like, you think people haven't been listening to your tone and the things that you've been saying throughout this trial, honey child, she haven't had, she even had the audacity to compare me to, to Cayman Compass. Talk about, oh, Cayman Mall Road is no compass, is it? That was one of her questions to me. I was like, excuse me? Who's trying to be the compass? Who, who said that the compass is the holy grail around here? Y'all don't even know, y'all don't even know half the story, but you wait till my appeal comes. Y'all will hear some ish that went on, went on in court when those transcripts are released. So Miss Darlene was mixed up in this case. Let me say this. Yes, I had to call her what she was, Carson, and what she is, in my opinion. And I told her, don't come for me. Nobody sent for you, honey child. Don't do it. Y'all don't want to bring out the Georgetown girl. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. But this is a level of disrespect that Caymanians are often subjected to. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not an anti-anything. I'm not an anti-expat person. I'm a person who has been an expat in somebody else's country. Yes, I lived in America. And I was an expat in that beautiful country. It was beautiful back then. Things would change a little bit. And I tell you what, the one thing that I've always recognized is that you respect people when you're in their country. And I expect the same thing. When people come here, there should be a certain amount of respect that people undertake. 
But she and people like her don't have an understanding of that. And I think that that's really what's happening in the DPP's office. I wouldn't call it racism. It's probably more like classism. And it's not even classism because when you check where they came from, most of them hardly had a pot to do anything with where they're coming from. And I remember this from my Maples days, right? Y'all know I used to work Maples and College as a legal secretary. Went to law school. Thank you, Maples, for that law degree. They sponsored me as a student. And what I would find is some, some of these lawyers and secretaries, they never had a car in their life. They didn't know anything about driving, right? They're one of 1,500 lawyers in a law firm. Nobody wasn't paying them no mind. And then they come here, all of a sudden they go buy a few frocks, a couple of pairs of shoes, they can afford to get their nails and hair done. They have an apartment that has a microwave in it. I remember one girl saying to me, oh my God, your apartments here have like microwaves and they have carpet and all this kind of, I'm like tile on the floor. And I'm like, well, well where, where do you live in the UK? Isn't that normal? Like, I don't see apartments without flooring and microwave. Like what's, that's nothing earth shattering. Yes, to them, it's it's like such a big deal. And I'm like, okay. That means that where you coming from ain't Jack. And within six months, the attitude, the condescending attitude has set in. Oh, we are better than Caymanians, my dear. Let me tell, let me tell you, darling, how this works. So all of a sudden now you train them to do their job. Half of them didn't even know how to use a computer properly. As in the in the words of Tony Travers back in the day, when he would send out the email reminding them of how to dress when they came to work because they didn't even know how to dress properly. You are no longer a barmaid in London. I'll never forget, touche, cheers to that, Mr. Travers. I'll never forget that email. I should have printed it out and saved it. I was like, well, I know he's not talking about me because I've never been to London. I was never a barmaid. But he had to remind them that they are no longer a barmaid. And so they needed to get it together. I was like, oh, honey child. Mm, 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 mm. Good. Six months in, they got an attitude. So you see what happened? Same thing with Darlene. She comes here with her attitude, learns the ropes from important um, Evita. After she's learned the ropes, she thinks she's somebody. And they all do it. You don't think the rumors and stories about that office since Patrick has taken over have, I'm surprised, the only thing that surprises me about this situation is why it took them so long to make a formal complaint to the governor's office and whatever legal counsel people this situation was referred to. That is the only thing that surprised me. Why did it take y'all so long? Because before Patrick is even properly promoted, he was giving the staff there a hard time. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. So you don't have to call it racism. I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that you didn't find any evidence of racism. It's something else. It's an anti-Caymanian, which I don't know what we're going to call it, attitude. It's classism. It's these people thinking that they are better than people and trying to mistreat people I'll, I'll put up the link, Keb, at all costs. 
that's what y'all need to look into. So the governor announced on Friday, the governor's office, that they have carried out this investigation and they had some recommendations. Now, I want to see this report. I'm hoping this report is a public document because I think we need to see it. And um, hopefully we can see exactly what their findings were. Because I'm telling you, there is something wrong with that office. And yes, people like Emma Hutchinson, people like Patrick, people like um, Darlene Oku, they come into that office and they supersede people who had been there for years. And then they start treating them with attitude and all sorts of ridiculousness. If the office was toxic, then the office was toxic. It is what it is. I don't care why, to be quite frank, it was toxic. Racism might be a hot button word of the day. And um, I don't know if it came down to race. Did he not treat any of his white counterparts with the same disdain and the same attitude? Maybe not, because they're all part of the little clique, you see, that is going to keep the Caymanians marginalized in that office and treating them like dogs. And this is the kind of behavior that just cannot be accepted. So call it something else. It's not racism. Call it classism. Call it anti-Caymanian, anti-Caribbean. I don't know what you want to call it. But if people don't recognize that there's something that stinks in the DPP's office, and it stinks a little less now that Mr. Moran is gone, then, you know, that's the cold hard truth. The other peculiar thing about this case, listen to this now. Y'all awake? You still with me? All 334 of you, are you listening to me? Moran makes the complaint. So in other words, he's the one who goes and makes a statement to the Anti-Corruption Commission about Evita. Yes, Cameron, that might be a better word for it. And he never, they, the, the Anti-Corruption Commission, the detectives over there, Never do a written statement from Patrick Moran. Now, y'all need to step back a moment and hear what I'm trying to tell you. I have never heard of a prosecution case proceeding without a complainant statement. That is one of the very foundations of what is required for a prosecution case. People will tell you. You need to have a complainant. S simple. If you don't have a complainant, you don't normally have a case. Now, there's limited cases where the prosecution can proceed without a complainant. The person's dead, <laughs> you know. And that's why it's, it always says, are the crown versus somebody. But they bring it on behalf of an aggrieved person. So, yeah, Miranda, that's the next joke we're going to talk about here in a second. So Patrick makes this very serious allegation. Breach of trust is very serious, folks. That's not a simple thing. That's the sort of thing that will land you in jail. Against Evita, police say, ACC investigators, they didn't take a written statement from him. What? And then on top of that, they claim that they didn't think that they needed one. Now, you know, that 
listen, this is procedurally where you have to question the system. Really? Really? You didn't need a written statement from a complainant? Are you kidding me? What the hell? Uh-uh. On top of it, he is still the complainant. And they do not even call him to testify about what he is alleging to have taken place. Nothing. King joining us from the UK. Good morning. Good morning, Miss Sue. She says she's on a staycation. Girl, mess with you. Up at Rum Point. Good to see you. What a joke. Mm. Y'all want to know what else is interesting about this case? So they bring in some guy by the name of Rory Field as the prosecutor. Of course, of course, he's English. I'm pretty sure that they couldn't get any Caribbean prosecutor in the office to support this foolishness. They did knew that. So they had to go overseas to bring someone in to prosecute the case. And they bring in this guy named Rory Field, English, of course. Uh, he's a barrister from this law firm called 15NBS. It's the same law firm that Patrick Moran used to work at before coming to the Cayman Islands. Do y'all see the nepotism and all of the other epitisms that are going on here with this situation? All this friend, friend business? Lord, you and I couldn't do it, I hope you know. Oh, that would raise so many red flags. Oh, Sandy brought in her friend, her colleague from her own law firm. I don't know how much he was paid to come to the Cayman Islands, quarantine, and then be able to sit here for two months and have a trial. No, no, tell me you don't go so. I'm telling y'all, this, this is cold hard truth. Go look it up for yourself. Hmm. Yes, y'all need to look it up. Y'all need to go look at his LinkedIn profile. I can't make this stuff up even if I tried. Yes, sir. so he was deputy director of public prosecutions. From March of 2015 to October of 2019, that's when people said things started to change. And then he got promoted despite all that in November of 2019, a year and 10 months, and he's already had to resign. And, and guess what? Like I said, let me show you. Let me show you the proof in the pudding. See right here, barrister at 15 Newbridge Street. The same law firm that his friend, what did I just tell you his name is? Rory. This is their website. Rory Fields. We can go here and look him up. Rory Fields, Barristar. And where does he work? In right now? Uh-huh. He's gone back to 15 Newbridge Street. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I don't know why their website is so slow, um, by the way. They have a very slow website. They need to try and fix that. But there he is. All right. So he left in 2016 and he went back in 2020. 
And that is who they brought here. Rory Field, prosecutor. I think that's him. Is that the same Rory Field? Yes, child. That looked like him. Yep. Back, back at the law firm there. Same law firm. My Lord, what a mess. Mm -mm 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 -mm. There's Patrick. Mm -mm. I don't know what to say. Except they need to fix it. We always beg it on Jesus to come and fix it. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus is not going to fix anything if we ourselves don't fix it. We need to stop placating, turning a blind eye, accepting this kind of behavior. It's just utterly ridiculous. They are so used to going into these government departments. And it's, for me, particularly egregious because it is government. Because that means my money, your money, the cost of living being what it is, every single time I have to pay a government fee, oh, this mosquito, I have to register. Mm -hmm. oh my God, pesky mosquito like some of these people we hiring around here. Every time I have to register, pay company registration fee, um, all the fees that we pay in this country goes to operating and supporting this government, supporting these positions. These people are working for us. And you know what? We are allowing them to get away with it. We are allowing the civil service to turn a blind eye over this type of misbehavior and shenanigans. And it happens a lot. If y'all know the complaints I get about the imported labor who wants to treat the Caymanians like the help, like back in the days of slavery, right? You know you need them to till the fields and to, to mine your babies and to, to make your babies suck on their babies, but you still want to treat them like a slave and like dirt and have no respect for their skill set. And it's allowed to happen because we allow it. And we need to stop allowing it. Good morning, Miss Lucille. Good morning to Lance. Carson says, you're 100% right. The system will not do anything. What do we do? Take the matters into your own hand and go through the courts. Well, what we do, the first thing that we start is we start to expose it. And that's what I'm doing here today. I'm an equal opportunity exposer. So yes, sometimes you're exposing Caymanians. And we're going to expose the expat population as well. I don't care who you are. If you're mistreating people, whether it's work discrimination, classism, anti-Caymanian behavior and attitudes, once there's evidence to support it, we're going to talk about it. And there is a lot of evidence because you know what else Patrick Moran did? He was so bold in his attitude that came out in court Evita testified that he basically told her and another worker that he would replace them with people. Oh, this mosquito. He would replace them with people from the UK. She's an executive clerk. You're going to tell her. Will it be considered an administrative position in the office that you will replace her 
from with someone from the UK? He lucky. Hmm? Really? And y'all don't think there's some serious issues in that office? Wow. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Shame, shame, shame. So the governor's office said that their investigation, which they say was thorough, um, found that there was no racism in the office and that um, they did notice some administrative issues. Okay. All right. We'll call it that. No racism at the DPP's office, says the governor. Uh, his statement reads, in response to serious allegation of perceived racial discrimination and an appointment made by the former director of public prosecutions, I asked the Kimala's government internal audit service. We don't know who that is, who's on that to undertake a full and immediate investigation. They've completed its work and concluded that there was no evidence to substantiate the complaints, complainant's perception of racial bias. And he has accepted the findings. All right, then. However, the IES report made a number of performance management recommendations to strengthen the management of the office, which I have also accepted. We'd love to know what those are, please. Goes on to say that the civil service has zero tolerance policy towards any form of discrimination. Mm, okay. Bullying or harassment. Mm, okay. And remains committed to investigating all such allegations. Mm -hmm. Deputy Governor France Madison says it's unfortunate that these allegations appeared in the media before they were properly investigated. France. France is well aware of my disagreement on this. Any civil servant who has concerns about how they're being treated in the workplace is encouraged to raise the concerns with their line manager, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the thing. Evita complained on at least three separate occasions to management in the DPP's office about how she had been treated, what was done about it. People wouldn't come to me or any media outlet if they felt really felt that the civil service had a true zero tolerance policy towards these things. They wouldn't be coming to me. I can assure you of that. They would have y'all fix it and have y'all deal with it. They come to me out of desperation, a last resort. There's a situation right now going on with the police and some test taking. We're going to pop that bubble here shortly. And so y'all can see all the shenanigans that's going on with that as well. They come to me because it's not being resolved and they don't all have the money to legally challenge the system. Remember last week, some police officers have challenged the system. One observation that one of the lawyers made involved in this defense case said to me, Sandy, even that police case, go and have a look at it. Every single officer who was in that case and went to the Privy Council against the commissioner of police and the government is a black person and a Caribbean person. They are not being treated the same. This is what was said to me in court the other day. They said, go look at who the complainants are in that case. 
thankfully they had enough money taken all the way to the Privy Council who sent it back to the Grand Court to say, fix it. There is an uneven playing field here, the court has found, and you need to fix it. So what are we to think when English officers and people from the UK are permitted to come here and get special consideration with government contracts, even after they're retired? Their retirement age is bypassed. Are we not as logical thinking individuals, not confirmation bias, heaven forbid, but just as logical thinking individuals, are we not to go, explain it to me. How does this work? Is it just a coincidence that every complaining officer happens to be a Caribbean and a person of color? And their white counterparts get better contracts. They get promoted up the ranks even after they retire and they go back on a contract, they'll get like three-year contracts. The Caribbean people are being offered all three-month contracts. <laughs> I mean, what? And they're demoted back down to constable. And these other people will keep their rank and so on. I, 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 explain it. Tell me how that works. Because it doesn't make any sense. It's the inequality of the system that will lead people to believe that there is something discriminatory going on. And if it's not discriminatory, then explain it to us so that we can understand exactly how it works. That's all I'm saying. So I'm sure it isn't racism, but I'm sure that there is something more to it than, than meets the eye. He is not treating, Moran was not treating his staff equally. And you know, racism is a funny thing. Sometimes we, as human beings, are racist and we don't even know it. We're not even able to admit it. So they all need sensitivity training. They all need to even understand the forms that discrimination make or takes. And if this woman has a perception of racism or that she's being discriminated against and she's not the only one in that office, it's time for y'all to just accept that something's going on there and you need some help, some serious intervention. It's a shame that the island's biggest employer, which is the Caymans government, at times seems to not be promoting their own people. You know, it's, they say that, oh, we're here for Caymanians. Well, a lot of times what has happened is the foreigners have been here so long that they're, they're Caymanians now too. And so government does get to legally be correct. Oh yes, we promoted Caymanians. Well, yeah, because now they've been here for 20 years because you wouldn't really train a Caymanian who's come, who you've sent off to university and who's come back and trained them up the ranks and blah, blah, blah. That's why when you see Caymanians get into certain positions and they don't do the right thing and I come down on them with an iron fist, you better believe it because you are playing into part of what is the problem because then they say, oh, look, 
You see what happens when we promote commandments to head of immigration, to head of this, to head of that? This is the foolishness that they go on with? Yes. You're an embarrassment to all of us and you make all of us look bad because we are fighting too hard to try to be on equal footing when the playing field isn't equal. And so when you mess up, you, you reflect on all of us. And that hurts. Kristen says that her sister has been bullied and discriminated against for years. Wow. Where she's had to take, she's had heart complications from the stress. Oh my God. <sighs> mm -mm -mm. Folks, that's our program for the day. Again, this isn't an anti-expat conversation. I actually had a guy um, yesterday message. Um, I was at the beach for a little kitty party and he came up to me. He started talking in my ear. Like I was facing one direction. He walked up from behind me. And it was so funny because I obviously wasn't expecting him because I don't have, although I tell my daughter I have eyes in the back of my head, I really don't. Um, and he said, Miss Sandy, you know, Jamaican guy, he said, you speak for so many of us. And I'm not talking about the Caymanian population, the expat population. You speak for so many of us. And I don't know how many of us come forward and tell you thank you, but I want to make sure that you know that I'm appreciative for your voice and what you do. You give everybody a voice, including me as a Jamaican, an expat worker. Because there's so many injustices that are happening here at different levels. And it just needs to stop. That's the bottom line. It can't be tolerated. Folks, I'm off to the doctor. I know I told you guys last week about my little shoulder issue. And um, I did the MRI, what day was that? Tuesday or Wednesday last week. And it turns out that I do have a tear. I don't know how bad it is yet in my shoulder. So I don't know if that's in the, a tear in the muscle, a tear in the, I don't know what it is, where the tear is. So I'm going to go and speak to the physician today about exactly what it is. He says it's going to require extensive physio or else we're going to be looking at surgery. And I don't really want to have surgery, but I'm living in constant pain right now. So um, I'm going to speak to him about exactly what the MRI results were. And uh, I'll keep you guys updated. So I do have to get to an appointment this morning. Uh, folks, we're going to continue to shine a light on all of the underbelly of Cayman, the things that people don't normally want to talk about. So right now we have James, Candia James Malcolm, who's acting as um, DPP director. She is from, is she from St. Lucia? I kind of feel like she could be. Um, anyway, in light of Moran's um, resignation, she is uh, filling in. Um, she is a woman, obviously, and she's a Caribbean woman. The last leader we had um, was Caribbean before Patrick. Uh, we'll see if she gets the position permanently or if they will import somebody else from the UK to take over the position. We'll be keeping an eye on this situation. And I know that the Caymanians in the DPP's office, although they do not, they've never spoken to me about their situation. I've heard 
enough stories to know that there's some real issues going on there. So I'm hoping that Candia um, James Malcolm is in a position to deal with some of those human resources and staff complaints and issues as well. Because it's one thing to have lawyers performing in a courthouse and doing what they're supposed to do at that level. But it is also equally important that you're taking care of your people and that you're hearing them when they levy complaints. No discrimination of any kind should be tolerated. Donna, all I can tell you is, and I said this last week, when these positions come up, if you are a qualified Caymanian, you better apply for the position because no one's going to give it to you. No one's going to say, oh, here, take it. Apply and see what happens. I'm sure we have qualified Caymanians, but maybe they don't want the job. I don't know. I just don't know. Folks, that's all I got for you. I know we had a lot more things on the agenda, but we only got through those two topics today. We'll be back tomorrow morning, God's willing. Keep it locked right here to the cold hard truth. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the cold hard truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings. 